So today we're going to talk about God's economy part three.、Um, for those of you who are around towards the end of last year, I spent two Sundays talking about God's economy, and、um, I'm going to really quickly recap some of the points that we 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 covered the last two times. But、um, if you want to know more about this topic, if you have questions, definitely go listen to those two、uh, messages on the church podcast. I think it's important because、uh, it's such a big topic, and I would hate you know like people misunderstanding or taking what I say in one message out of context without listening to the other two messages. But really quickly,、um, let's cover part one and two. What we What we were talking about the the previous time, all right. Just give me a second to scroll down in my notes. All right. So what have we learned previously in part one and two? We learned that you know God's economy is meant to be an alternative to the world's economy.、Um, God wants us to be generous and forgiving,、uh, even when people owe us money. And God is really not worried about. Revenue, profit. Do we make enough money? Do we have enough savings? Because he takes care of all of that.、Um, and even though the Old Testament has laws about how we should handle money,、um, sorry, Kobe, I think I might need you to help me with this if it's not working. There are actually no real, real like written laws for、um, disciples, followers of Jesus today. You know, the church doesn't tell you like you should do this with your money or you should do that, and if you don't do it, you are. You are wrong, or you shouldn't be part of the church. No one says that, all right.、Um, but we have the Holy Spirit who writes the law for how we should handle our money on our hearts. Meaning that the Holy Spirit is our law. The Holy Spirit is the one that guides us. And God's community is called to be generous and different in the way that we give money.、Um, and the idea here is that God blesses us to be a blessing to others. All right. So very quickly, you know, the same idea. This is probably part two. That's why there are some like repeated points. But the whole idea is about generosity. It's not about how much you have, but it's about your heart as well. And it's out of own free will. No one forces you. God doesn't force you. And giving is first about following God and obeying Him. And it's also a way that we participate in God's work.、Uh, God's work. When we give money.、Um, Second Corinthians tells us that as we give money to God's kingdom, He also blesses us、um, generously. So when we give, we participate in the work of God. God, sorry, I think this is not really working very well. So Kubi, you might need to help me catch up. <laughs> yeah. So God doesn't need our money. If we believe in a God that's、um, supernatural, that's that's all powerful, that's more than we can ask or imagine, then He really doesn't need our money. But He calls us to be part of His kingdom and His ministry by giving financially to what He's doing on earth, and we give money to bless people, not to become rich. Even though、um, there's a ver- there are verses in Second Corinthians that tells us that as we give generously, God would bless us generously. The whole purpose of that that relationship is not for us to be rich. It's not for us to say like today I'm going to give you two hundred thousand dollars so that you know God's going to give me two million dollars and I can become richer and richer. But the whole point is that as we bless other people. God gives us enough so that we can continue to be that blessing. So today we're gonna go very specifically to part three, which I want to talk about tithing and giving to the church.、Um, I think after the 
second the, the second message on God's economy last year, um, some number of people came up and asked me about giving to the church. What does it look like? Because I talked about, I kind of like mentioned it in passing during those two messages, but I never really go, didn't really go into detail about what giving to the church looks like. So that's what I um, really want to talk about today. All right, so here's a good time. Let's, let's pray. Lord, will you come and speak to us today, Lord, that you give us your Holy Spirit to guide us to be the, the law that is written on our hearts, even though we have no um, written commandments, or, like, like in the Old Testament, but Lord, you are our conscience, you are our character builder, will you come and speak to us and show us what it means to um, honour you financially, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, I actually would rather this whole series be like a classroom setting. I don't really like to preach, honestly. I prefer to be like, like doing like small workshops and all that stuff. Okay, so if you have questions and you would like to ask them anonymously or you want to put your name to it, um, just go very quickly now to this website um, or take a picture of it so they can do it later. Uh, enter the code, enter the passcode, and you can put your questions there, okay? And if I have time, I'll cover them now during the, during the message. If I don't, I will um, find some time to, to talk about it. Okay, so let's, let's uh, jump in real quickly. So let's start again from the Old Testament. What does the Old Testament say about, um, about giving? Um, actually, before that, you know, it's, it, I found it when I was when I was um, thinking about a message, I found it quite, quite interesting or it was an interesting coincidence to me actually that this Sunday is um, a message about giving and it's also the second day of the Chinese New Year and it's also Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> and for those of you who are familiar with Super Bowl Sunday, it's, um, there's a lot of money that goes in. Um, I, I think, I don't remember the exact figure, I think like a, to run a 30 second advertisement would cost you about $7 million when the Super Bowl is showing on TV. That's how much money that goes in, more than that. And Chinese New Year, I can't say for like how Chinese New Year is celebrated in other parts of the country, uh, in other parts of the world, but in Singapore we have this tradition of giving uh, what we call rape packets um, to children. All right. Um, so the tradition is that um, anyone who's well, there, there, there are different, different, different families have different traditions. But the general idea is that uh, if you're married, you would give a red packet with, with money inside to children that you meet during Chinese New Year. Um, so when when Lara and I got married in 2016, that was before we had Lois. Lois was born in um, 2020. So that four year, four or five year period where we didn't have Lois, we were basically losing money. <laughs> it's like we had to go greet our relatives and they all, all had children and we had to give out like these red packets. So we're just, we're just losing money every Chinese New Year. <laughs> and then when we, when we had Lois, we started collecting money back, but we still lost money to families who had more than one children. <laughs> but you get the idea, right? Um, yeah, so, so, so I think for me, when I was thinking about, you know, like giving to the church and tithing and all this stuff, it, it, I was thinking back to when I first joined the church and I learned about tithing and I realized that at that time, it didn't seem so strange to me. And that might be because I grew up in a culture where 
um, there was a tradition of giving, even if it was some kind of like you you kind of like had to do it based on social norms, even if you didn't want to, didn't want to do it. Um, there there are like shows in Singapore in the past where it's like um, it it. I don't know if it's like making fun or criticizing, but it talks about you know like people who would travel out of the country <laughs> during Chinese New Year so that they, they avoid seeing their relatives and avoid giving out money. Okay, but that's just that's just a funny story. So let's look into the Bible right now um, and talk about tithing in the Old Testament. What does tithing mean? So in the Hebrew, the word tithe uh, is derived from the number ten. So essentially, if someone who knew the Hebrew language was to see the word tithe, they would immediately know that tithing means to give uh, a tenth of something. Um, of course, like in the English, tithe is such a unusual word. Um, if you're never involved in church, you might never even hear this word in your life. But to someone who knows the language, the word would immediately tell them that it means giving a tenth of something. So I don't want to dwell too much on you know the um, it's it's a complex topic. There are a lot of details. If any of you are interested in, I'm happy to talk to you about it. But in the for the interest of time today, I'm gonna um, just give a more like an outline and highlight certain more important details. So the people of Israel, the Israelites, um, actually could be. How about you just help me? I, I don't think this is working really well today. Yeah. So the Israelites give types. Numbers 18, uh, verse 21, God tells the people, to the Levites I have given every tithe in Israel for an inheritance in return for their service that they do, their service in the tent of meeting. I talked about the Levites in one of the past two messages on God's economy. There are a group of people that they don't have an inheritance, they don't get a land, a part of the land that God gave out to the people of Israel. Um, they everything that they need or have would come from the other 11 tribes of Israel. And one of the means that they get um, support is through tithing. So secondly, the Levites give tithes themselves. Um, Numbers chapter 18, verse 25 to 26 talks about how the Levites would, when they take in the tithe from the other people, they would give a tithe of the tithe, meaning a tenth of the tenth that they receive. So it's something that everyone in Israel practice. And every three years, there's also interestingly this idea of a tithe for the poor. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 28 to 29 talks about how at the end of every three years, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns. Um, it's not on the, sorry, can, uh, Kobe, can you just yeah, give me a hand with that? Sorry about that. Yeah, um, I think we're two slides down already. One more. Yeah. Um, so at the end of every three years, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your your towns. Okay. And the the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the sojourner who is like um, a wanderer, the fatherless and the widow who are within your towns shall come and eat and be filled, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you that you do. So there, actually this verse tells us a lot about um, Israelite culture or Israelite society at that point in time. That first of all, one, feeding the poor and taking care of them was a community effort. All right? it's, it's something that people in the town would come together to do. 
Um, today, society in, in, in many parts of the world have, have evolved, have developed in uh, different ways. But generally, in major countries, you see that the way that we take care of the poor is no longer like a town or a community coming together to take care of the poor. The way that we take care of the poor in our society is to tell them, hey, go apply for public benefits from the government. We give the government the money, the government redistributes it. That's another way that we do it. But in the past, um, in the Bible, this was how they did it. And this also tells us that all the type of your produce meaning that what they were giving a tenth of is what they produced. Um, so if you were a farmer, putting it in very simple terms, of course the Bible has a lot more com complexity to it about how you tithe, but if you're a farmer, you give a tenth of your harvest. If you were, like say, you were raising animals, you give a tenth of your, those animals. Um, if you were doing some kind of work that, you know, you, you, you don't have like a to give, like a, a product to give, then you would just give it in money, basically. Okay, so um, I think it's pretty clear. If you're still not clear, I would be happy to talk to you about it, but the tithe just basically means giving a tenth of what you earn or what you produce. Um, thank you, Patricia, for reading Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, verses 6 to 12 for us. I really appreciate it. I know English is not his strongest language, and uh, but thank you for your courage to come read the verse for us. Um, the verse that I picked today was a difficult verse. If you really read it, it's, it's a very challenging commandment because this seven verses from 6 to 12, God is basically telling his people that, hey, you are robbing me. And the people are asking, how are we robbing you? And God says, well, you are not giving me the tithe. You're not giving me a tenth of what um, you earn. And God is saying, you know, um, bring in the tithe and I'm going to bless you uh, generously. And do you remember how I took care of you in the past? And in church, we like to be, you know, like positive. We like to uh, present the, the easier parts of the Bible so that, you know, when people come, they, they feel comfortable. But this is a difficult verse because it's not only talking about blessing, but it's talking about God telling the people that there are curses involved in not tithing. All right, so that's, that's very interesting if you're reading this for the first time. Now, let's move on to the New Testament because when Jesus came, not everything carried on from the Old Testament. There are parts that continued, there are parts that discontinued. And tithing is one of the parts that I think didn't quite continue in the same way. Because in the New Testament, we find absolutely no instruction to tithe. No, there's no instruction that we should give a tenth of all our income. And um, also, for example, there are no Levites in the church today. There's no one that, I'm not a Levite. There's no one in this church that would call themselves a Levite. So they wouldn't have to take in the tithe, you know, under the new covenant. But what... The new covenant does give us, and I elaborate a lot about this in the, the previous message, and I would love for you to go um, listen to it, is that the, the New Testament gives us a lot of examples of giving. So for example, the early church um, in Acts chapter 2, the verse, so there's a long passage there, but I only picked out one verse. It talks about, um, and they were selling their possessions and belongings 
and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So that's a very generous um, giving because they were basically you know, saying that this might be people that I'm meeting for the first time. I might not have known them very long. We're a new church, but I'm selling what I have to meet the needs of people in my community. And there's another passage where it talks about how landowners would sell their property to, to again, distribute the, the, the revenue to, to, other, to other people who had need. And I, in my previous message, I talked about how that is such a silly idea today, right? Because land is literally the most valuable thing that you can have. If you have land, you can rent it out, you can lease it out, you can keep getting income from it. Um, today, even if you want to buy land, you might not, even if you have the money, you might not be able to buy it because um, a lot of it falls under the control of uh, maybe say the government or, or private companies. So even if the money, they might not want to sell it to you because of how valuable it is. But when the early church started, um, there was such a great move of the Holy Spirit and grace that even though this idea of generous giving was so crazy and maybe un un not quite comprehensible to us today, that's what they did. Um, and another maybe crazy story about giving the churches of Macedonia, you know, um, when when there was a famine in Jerusalem and, and Paul was going around raising money for the, the church, the churches in Jerusalem, um, one of the churches that he talked about was uh, the churches in Macedonia. And this is what he says about them. He says that they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints, saints meaning Christians. Um, a few verses before that, verses 1 and 2, it reminds us, uh, it tells us, you know, about how these Christians in Macedonia were living in extreme poverty. They were just not just poor, they were very poor. And yet they were like, you know what, please take our money, please take our money, you know, like they were giving beyond their means. That means they, they might not even have enough for themselves and they're saying like, they're begging the person who's collecting the funds to like, hey, take this money and give it to someone else, uh, which is quite difficult for me to imagine today, even, even for myself. Like, can, would I ever be in that situation? If, if I was in that situation, would this be what I do? Besides examples of generous giving, and there are more stories in the previous messages, which I won't cover again, um, the Bible talks about providing for people in ministry. So just one out of different stories, you know, Jesus sending the 72 in Luke chapter 10, verse uh, verses 1 to 12. In summary, it's telling us that Jesus sent out 72 people to go out to minister, and these people ate whatever the people gave them. So Jesus was telling them, you know, um, go out, but carry no money bag, carry no knapsack, carry no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Okay, I don't know why they <laughs> greet no one on the road. I'll need to look more into it, but carry nothing, basically. And whatever house you enter, first say, Peace, to be, uh, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on him and if not, it will return to you. Basically, like, you know, just go there, greet the house, and if, if someone welcomes you, go in. If he doesn't welcome you, then just leave. Um, and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter the town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. 
heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So this gives us a model of how Jesus uh, thought about ministry when he sent out the 72. The idea is these people go out, they minister, and whoever welcomes them and feeds them, they would stay there and they would heal the sick and they would preach the gospel. Um, but whatever town that they were in, the town would, would feed them. All right. And I'm going to talk about this a, a, a bit more. But here, um, sorry, I might have run, I might have gone a bit fast. I might have spoken really quickly, which is why I kind of like, oh, sorry, technical problems today. Um, there's a lot more that I can talk about, but in case you know it gets a bit confusing and we get lost in the verses, I I just want to do kind of like a mini conclusion, and this time we can talk a bit more. Um, about tithing and giving. So what have we learned so far based on these few verses that we looked at? In the Old Testament, tithing means giving a tenth, a tenth of income. Again, I'm simplifying it a lot. Uh, the, the Old Testament has a lot of details about like what counts as income. If you want, if you want a modern day equivalent, if you so wish to think about it this way, it's like taxes. <laughs> All right, um, you know, we're, doing, we're now in tax, tax season, we're all fouling, and, and there's all this question like, oh, do I need to report this? Do I need to report that? Is this tax, uh, tax payable? Is this not tax payable? It's kind of the same idea, okay? But simplifying it, it's a tenth of all your income. Um, but if you do the calculations, actually more than 10%, it's probably closer to 20%, according to some people who try to calculate it. And Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 to 12, um, tells us that tithing results in God's blessings and not tithing results in curses. So what do we make of that? Now, of course, we don't just have the Old Testament. We do have the New Testament. Jesus came and he, he, he taught us many things. So the New Testament, you know, I mentioned this earlier, there is no clear instruction for Christians to tithe. So then do we still give the 10%? Do we still give the 10% to the church? Um, but remember that the examples of giving in the New Testament are examples of generous giving. And generous giving is tied to God's generous provision in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 to 15. And there is also a command to provide for, the, for people in ministry. People in ministry, um, meaning like people who are working full-time in the church, people who are in Christian ministries who might... Uh, who might support themselves by raising funds, things like that, okay? So just keep all these key points in mind as we go on to the application. But before we go into application, there is one more passage, and this is one that I want to um, really put out all the verses there, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11 to 15. Here, Paul is telling the church in Corinth, which he founded. He says, if we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much that we reap material things from you? I think there's no verse in the Bible that is clearer than this. Paul is basically saying, hey, if we have um, done something in your life that is spiritually rewarding to you, is it too much that we expect some kind of you know, financial support from you, all right? And he goes on to say, 
But nevertheless, we have not made use of this right. Um, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. So kind of a bit, of course, we don't know everything about the Corinthian church. We're making some inferences here. But he's kind of like, Paul is like saying, hey, you know, actually, if we're, talk, we're, we're going to talk about what Jesus would instruct us, we have this right to, you know, expect financial provision from the church because we're, we're, we're ministers of the gospel. But I'm not going to make use of this right, you know, I, I'd rather endure anything in case this becomes an obstacle in you believing in the gospel. And verse 13, he goes on to again explain the principle here. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? So here he's referring to like the Old Testament system where the Levites would get um, a provision from the tithe and the priests would partake in part of the offerings that were sacrificed to God. And he says, um, sorry, let me go back here. And he says, in the same way, the Lord, meaning the Lord Jesus, commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. All right. So that hopefully starts to clear things up. Um, if you go to different churches, some of them, they would take an offering. If it's not a regular service, sometimes they would say, okay, we're going to take an offering now. Why do we take an offering? Because that's kind of the principle that the Bible gives, that as we minister, um, how people who are in full-time ministry and sometimes part-time ministry would get their provision is through um, the people that they minister to. All right, the same principle, the same example that Jesus set with the 72. But what's interesting here with Paul, he is kind of like a obsessional person, I would say. He says in verse 15, But I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any provision. For I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. Okay, so then what? Then you okay? Just for your curiosity, you might ask them. You know, like if he's not gonna ask them for money, why? Why does he bother explaining to them that you know, hey, that's this right? Because there at that time in 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 the Corinthian church, there were starting to be other people who were had bad intentions, but who were speaking in a very eloquent way, in a in a way that sounded very wise, and they were coming around to the the Corinthians. And then um, saying, okay, this is, you know, like, like ministering to them and then getting financial provision to them. So Paul is trying to address this. He's trying to address why don't I get any financial provision for you since, you know, that's the social norm at that point in time. All right. And Paul is explaining, hey, we have this right, but we're not ex exercising this right just to let you know. Um, and yeah, I think Paul is, is a pretty exceptional person because if you were to read a good part of the New Testament, you'll realize that um, in many instances, he talks about not actually taking money from the church. Um, and then if you read Acts, God miraculously provides for him in other different ways. Um, uh, what's amazing is, is there you would notice like women especially who would provide for Paul, would come into partnership with Paul. Okay. Um, 
So yeah, all that to say is that I think in the New Testament, there is a clear command to provide for people in ministry. Um, and that's why, you know, giving to the church is so important. So I'm going to actually talk about the rest in terms of um, a frequently asked questions. I have been in the church for many years. I've um, shared many messages and along the way, there are some questions that people keep asking me about tithing, okay? So let's, 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 let's go down. Uh, so one of the most common questions, how much should I give to the church? Do I tithe 10%? Is it any amount? What do, what do, what do you guys think? Because you know, the Old Testament sets us an example, but the New Testament doesn't give us a clear instruction of how much to give. They say, you should give, but how much do you give? Okay, I'm going to answer this question later, so hold on to it. Um, do I have to give to the church I attend? Can I give to other churches or ministry? Okay, in the Old Testament, it's clear, you know, right? There's only one nation of Israel, and everyone would give to the Levites, who is only one tribe. But now we have, um, you know, we have our church, we have other ministries, we, we partner with other ministries. Some of us might go to events or groups that are run by various uh, Christian ministries in New York City, then who should I give? Who should I support? You know, I'm not like rich. I don't have like $2 billion in my bank or anything. How do I give my money? Actually, I'm going to just hold this, hold this thought as well. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I'll, I'll explain why. All right. Okay. This, this I can answer because this was covered in the previous message as well. Um, what if the church leadership misuses the money that I give? I talked about this before. Um, who, you need to think about it. Who are you giving the money to? Are you giving the money because you like the pastor? Are you giving the money to because the pastor tells you to? Or are you giving to God? If you're giving to God, then your responsibility is just to give. And if the pastor misuses the money, God's going to deal with, that with them. That's not your, your role. But of course, if you realize that, you know, if you, you find out that the church that you're going in is misusing money, then maybe you should pull off on giving to the church for now. But otherwise, um, our role is not to, you know, like scrutinize everything that the church does. Um, but our responsibility is first of all to honor God by giving. Um, in fact, the Old Testament, the, the, Bible is, the Bible is not like this nice book that just tells you everything good about Christianity and how life under God is great. The Old Testament is full of stories of priests, leaders in, Israel, uh, in, in Israelite society who have um, misused money, basically, and done things that are sinful against God. So the Bible is clear about that. God deals with them. In fact, Acts, in the early church, there's an example where, where a couple, they, they, they sell a property, but they lie to the church leaders about how much that property is, and Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit took them back, <laughs> basically, okay? Yeah, they just, they just fall down and they just die, and that's God's way of dealing with them. So I think this, this, this part is, should be clear enough. And what if I'm not cheerful when I give? <laughs> AJ is laughing, okay? Uh, this is a very important question because in the last message, I said, be a cheerful giver. Now, um, yes, you should be cheerful when you give because that's what 
the Bible tells us in Second Corinthians. Um, I think first of all, the idea there is that no one is forced to give. Uh, I don't know how much each of you give to the church, and I don't want to know. And I, I I'm not gonna like look at you and ask you how much you give, and then change my approach to you based on like how much you give, because that would be wrong. That would be dishonoring God, um, and that would be unloving. Um, but what if I'm I'm not cheerful when I give? I think then that's where you need to think about why are you uncheerful and what's your goal? What are you trying to do um, with following Jesus and wanting to obey everything that he says? It's not always easy. There, there are things that God would tell us to do and, and lead us, guide us to grow in that would not be easy. We would not always feel like we're, we're cheerful. Um, you know, like, just to give like a more like personal example, not really related to the Bible, but I think it illustrates the point. Um, so, so Lara and I, we, we live in, in, out in Queens with, with Lois, our daughter, three of us. We've been here like a few years. And one of the difficult parts about being alone in New York City and away from family in Singapore is that there's really no one to help you. So one of the issues, one of the everyday household issues is about cleaning up at night. Like, after we eat, no one wants to do the dishes. Everyone wants to go to bed. Who's going to do the dishes? So sometimes it gets to a point where, you know, like, Lara would be like, ah, we need to get the dishes done. And then she complains and all that stuff. And I'm like, I'm so tired. Can I, can I leave it for tomorrow? Because that's, that's my habit. When I was in college, when I'm at home, I would just wash the dishes tomorrow. All right. So recently, I, I, I made up my mind, you know, like, I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to make it a point to clear up everything or the essential things in the house before I sleep. And I'm just going to make a point every day to do it. So I start doing it and at first it was difficult and it continues to be difficult. I've tried this for maybe like a week or so. And some, some days it's really tough. It's like, oh, I just want to go to bed. But I'm like, okay, but I've made a commitment and I want to make sure that, you know, like I keep this streak going on, you know, like I don't break my streak. So I just keep doing it. Um, and so it's difficult, but as you keep exercising something that you're not used to, it becomes easier and easier and eventually it becomes a part of your life. And that's kind of like how character building is. Um, as, you, as you do something that God tells you more and more, it becomes easier and easier. And some days it's really difficult. Like last night was difficult because I was like, Oh, I need to do the slides. You know, sometimes I wish that we don't have a laptop, we don't have PowerPoint, so I could just not do slides and people don't feel like, you know, they're expecting slides because <laughs> we don't have a laptop, you know. But um, so I was like, okay, I, I'm spending so much time on this, uh, this, this slides and like the, the dishes are not washed. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm just, what am I going to do? I, I just feel like you go to bed. And then I'm like, okay, if I ask Lara, Lara's already having a bad day, like she told you earlier. If I tell her to wash the dishes, she's going to kill me. So. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm not saying anything to Lara, you know. And then, miraculously, without us communicating, Lara goes, to do the, goes and does the dishes by herself, which was really great. I really appreciate it. Um, so, you know, we keep the family habit going without um, us having to argue or, like, discuss it. But, yeah, the idea here is, yes, there are some times when we do something that God calls us to do and we're not... We don't feel that joy in that, that way that we hope for, but it's a way that we honor God and we um, build our character through God's leading.
So holding some of these questions that I have not answered, I want to give you the bottom line. I think the bottom line is this. First of all, ask yourself, does your giving honor God? Um, do you give when the Holy Spirit tells you to do? Is your giving generous? And um, sorry, I think Kubi's pressing it. I'm pressing it. <laughs> uh, clicking on it. Okay, no problem. Okay, so if you want to just like you know summarize it in seven words, I would say honor God, follow the Spirit, and be generous. So let's go back to answer the questions about you know how much do I give? Uh, how much should we give to the church? Now, when you go to different churches, they'll tell you different things, and I think that's fine. Some churches follow a tradition. They're like, okay, in the Old Testament, there was a tradition of um, giving 10%, and that's how our church has done it over the hundreds of years, and this is how we want to continue doing it. That's fine. Personally, I think looking at the Bible, there's no clear instruction of how much you should give, so no amount is right or wrong. You need to ask yourself these three questions. Does your giving honor God? Are you following the Spirit? And are you being generous? For me personally, um, not to say this to like boast on myself or like to tell you this is what you should do, but for me, I think as I was pondering these messages over the many years that I've been a Christian, I make it a point to at least give ten percent because to me, um, this verse stands out. Jeremiah chapter seventeen verse nine. It says, "The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it?" So for me, I set myself a standard of at least 10%, and sometimes I would give more depending on like, as the Spirit leads, as I see needs. But 10% is a standard that I set for myself because I am weak. I am a broken human being. If I were to tell myself that I'm going to think of an amount to give every month, I would probably not give a lot because I'll be saying, oh, this month I need more money. This month I don't have savings. Um, this month uh, I want to go on a holiday, and I'll be giving like based on. I, I'm someone. I'm a human being. I I can be swayed by emotions, by my own desires, and I want to just avoid that. So I say ten percent is a example that is in the Bible. So I want to follow that example, even if it's not a commandment from God or instruction from God. Um, and do I give to the church I attend or can I give to other ministries? I think again, the principles are as I listed for you. Honor God, follow the Spirit, be generous. Um, I make it a point to give to the church that I go to, but sometimes I also give outside of the church and I'll explain why a bit more. Okay, so why is... So why do I do it this way? Because Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, God reminds us that the heart is deceitful above all things. I might think that, you know, I have a logical mind, I'm objective, you know, I, I'm honoring God, but sometimes the heart lies to myself. Um, that's, a, that's something that I don't want to struggle with, so I set myself at least a standard of 10%. And how do we know whether we're honoring God? How do we know that we're following the Spirit? How do we know that we're being generous? We can't really know because we are human beings. We are swayed by many things in our lives. And verse 10, the verse right after verse 9, tells us that the Lord searches our hearts and tests our minds to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Only God can truly know our heart and our mind. 
So we need to learn to submit ourselves to God um, in, in that area. All right. So yeah, I, I hope those three principles at least would, would help you. Um, certainly they don't give you clear answers, but following God is not about, is not about um, it's not the black and white that some of us are hoping for. It's not a checklist. It's not about like, do you come to church at least 90% of the Sundays in a year? Check. Um, do you give at least 10%? Check. Um, do you read your Bible at least three times a week? Check. And then like, okay, you are in heaven or something like that. Or you're a good Christian or you are a growing Christian, you know. <laughs> it, it's not like that. We, we, we believe in a living God. We believe in a God, a Jesus, a Holy Spirit that wants to have a relationship with us. And if the person that we want to have a relationship with is you know, someone who um, is living, who is an actual person, then it becomes a conversation. It becomes a, a dialogue between you and God, how much you're giving, how much you should give, how much God wants to give to you. All right? So that's kind of where I'm going to leave you with. Um, honor God, follow the Spirit, and be generous. So it doesn't answer the question how much you should give. Ask God about it. It doesn't answer where do you give the money to this church or other ministries. Ask God about, about it.